Welcome to the Secret Life of Truck Stops. I'm Jim Park. This is HGT Talks Trucking, Season 7, Episode Number 5. In this episode, we take a peek behind the doors that never close with truck stop business consultant Don Baglin, otherwise known as that truck stop guy. He's based in Scottsburg, Oregon, and has worked in most of his life in the hospitality and petroleum retailing business. He's an experienced truck stop operator with multiple startup successes to his credit. You could say Don started at the bottom. He got his first break in 1973 while he was still in high school. He was hired as a dishwasher at the TNR truck stop in Albany, Oregon. On the day he started, Don's boss toured him around the facility and left him with these words of inspiration. Then he said, uh, you work for me, I don't want to ever see you anywhere except right here in the dish pit washing the dishes. So he says, if you end up in the driver's lounge, I'm going to fire you. <laughs> if you end, up in the dr- <laughs> you end up in the drinking lounge, I'm going to fire you. He says, there's only one more thing. If you're late for work, you might as well just go back home. As for the moniker, that truck stop guy, it came from a New York City real estate developer who was negotiating a deal to buy a truck stop in North Dakota. He'd hired Don to evaluate the operation, but couldn't remember his name. I find myself on the phone, and uh, every time the owner asked me a question, I'd start to talk, and then one of his guys would kind of step in and take over the discussion. So finally, the owner says, uh, it was about the third or fourth time that happened, he, he obviously couldn't remember my name. So he, he tells his guy, damn it, Brian, these questions are for that truck stop guy. So can you just shut up long enough to let him answer instead of trying to do his job for him? Coming up in our conversation, Don and I will get into the challenges of preparing fresh, healthy, and reasonably priced menu options. We'll also get into the debate over commercializing rest areas and, of course, the controversial topic of paid truck stop parking. And we'll wrap everything up with a discussion of marketing alternative fuels at commercial truck stops. Our conversation with Don Baglin begins right after this. This episode is brought to you by Fleet Safety Experience, a powerful digital gathering for the fleet safety community. Presented by Automotive Fleet, Work Truck, and Heavy Duty Trucking Magazines, the 2021 Fleet Safety Experience takes place virtually September 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. Go to fleetsafetyconference.com to learn more. Don, thanks very much for joining us on HTT Talks Trucking. How's it going? Oh, it's great. I appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this. Well, me too. We, uh, we don't talk much about truck stops. They're an interesting uh, partner in the trucking industry, an interesting business relationship there between the two uh, industries. And uh, you and I are going to dig into that a little bit today. So I'm looking forward to this conversation too. So for all the years you've been at this, Don, what keeps you coming back? What do you enjoy the most about the truck stop business? Well, I think the the number one thing, Jim, is a truck stop is, is going to give you a constant uh, a constant challenge and you're going to you know, routinely have a social interaction with, with just about every customer and vendor that comes into the place. So there really never is a, a lonely day in a truck stop. And the doors uh, never close, do they? They never do. You know, that's, that's uh, you know, one of the good things about it. You know, there's always something you can do. Uh, it's kind of like a marathon on a certain level. Uh, either there's something that needs to be cleaned or something that needs to be repaired. Usually it's both. You know, uh, everything from the maintenance and the mechanical side and, and uh, the general cleanliness, you know, everything has is, is, uh, got to be working correctly to keep the place functioning efficiently. And then there's also the bookkeeping side, the accounting side is uh, the numbers. Uh, I mean, just about anything and everything can be tracked from the cash registers these days. So there's, there's always a opportunity to compare yourself to how you were doing last quarter or the year before or the same day, you know, a year ago for a special holiday. For me, it's, it's, it's always been a, a challenge that I've enjoyed because it keeps your brain active and, and keeps you, you know, thinking in terms of strategy and, and what you can do to make the place better. You know, that's not unlike trucking. 24-7, 365 day a year operation, the equipment has to be working or you're not making money, you know, everybody has to show up for work on time or you're not making money. So two industries have got some parallels there. Well, now that we know what you like about the truck stop business, what does a bad day at a truck stop look like? Your bad day? Wow. Well, usually your bad day probably started a couple days earlier and then it kind of sneaks up on you. 
I'd say bad days, uh, somehow uh, the food supply don't arrive on time. And so the baker doesn't have what he needs to make breakfast biscuits. So, you know, now you're, you know, all of a sudden unable, unable to deliver your, your uh, food product. And, and uh, you know, then somebody messes around at the main switch and, you know, shuts off the hot water heaters and the showers are all cold. And, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Oh, that would make the customers happy. <clears throat> then you're trying to. You know, get a customer to sign their their uh, their invoice at the cash register, and and suddenly the cash register's out of paper. So now you got to run back to the back to get some more paper and paper. And then you know when you're back there, you find out somebody drives off with a nozzle still in their tank. So now you got a potential mess and repair bill out front. And well, and then the boss calls and wants a, you know, a special customer report that the only reason it's late is because he's asking for it early. And, you know, the next thing you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a vendor comes in and takes uh, your your prime parking space right in front of the, the building and wonders why you won't buy a three-year supply of paper logbooks that you don't need anymore. So, you know, <laughs> you know, working, how <laughs> to tell you, working at a truck stop, you know, um, you know, short of somebody getting uh, injured or, you know, kidnapped or even worse, dying, you know, uh, it can be a very humbling experience. And, uh, you know, you know, you're in trouble having a bad day when when your customer actually gets up and starts helping you do your job because they feel sorry for you. Yeah, that would be about as bad as it gets. How do truck stops make money? I mean, Pretty fundamental question. You sell a lot of stuff. You sell fuel, you sell food, you sell supplies. What are some of your revenue streams and, and, and how do they sort of contribute to the to the whole? Well, there's, you know, you're right. You know, on a fundamental level, it's going to be a combination of your, your volume or your sales volume that you're able to push through and your margin, you know, depending on, you know, if you have one. So that can be a tricky thing. So yeah, I mean, uh, at the very least, uh, most of the most truck stops are going to manage uh, fuel, food, and obviously the store as separate revenues. Uh, then there's uh, also potential for tire sales and service in some facilities, uh, repairs, lodging. Uh, some truck stops will do, uh, you know, small banquets and catering. Then there's, uh, you know, laundry, entertainment, and uh, parking. Interesting that you put the parking in the uh, the revenue side. We'll we'll take that up in a couple of minutes. Um, that'll be an interesting discussion. Is your business steady? I mean, over the course of a year, do you see major swings in in uh, in the business levels and the volumes, or is it a fairly predictable business? I'd say it's more steady now than it has been. Uh, you know, compared to maybe twenty or thirty years ago when I I first got in this business. Um, obviously there's some seasonal considerations, uh, and, uh, some holiday considerations. So, you know, uh, take a look at what season you're in. Well, you know, it's obviously full blown construction season. So you're going to have a lot of flatbeds now and, and, uh, you know, hauling equipment, things like that. Uh, you're going to have contractors that are, you know, looking to fuel their equipment and, uh, you know, so as the, as the season, the construction season winds down, then you'll see that there's kind of an increase in potential holiday shipping that's going to start in, you know, around the uh, middle of October and run right through the through the holiday season. Uh, so there's usually a couple of weeks in the January and February that, for all intents and purposes, is the best time for the truck stop operator to, to take his vacation. Is it safe to say that when the trucking industry is doing well, you folks are doing well too? Well, that's a very interesting question. I, I never really thought of that before, but uh, yeah, I would say that uh, you know, right now is is you know, the last four or five years have been a really good time. Uh, maybe even five or six years been a really good time to be in the truck stop business. Uh, you know, the fuel margins are uh, much better than they have been, and uh, I think that uh, you know. Uh, when you get right down to it, you know, uh, if you take a look at these fuel margins, you know, an, an operator has got to be really careful 
when it comes to managing his his business and making sure that he understands you know what his costs are um i mean there have been times when you know after the cost of credit you know which is not free you know your processing fees uh that if you were to do the math you would see that you're potentially selling fuel at a loss and you know you might be able to do that for a little while but it's it's really uh you know not gonna sustain your business especially if you're a small business you really you really need to make sure you understand where you're at on that and and uh, price accordingly so um you know to answer your question um there's got to be some parallels between and you know trucking being hot and successful uh, because you know the volume considerations so uh, but uh, as far as the margin side, I, I I don't know about that. That's that's a good question. Switching over to the restaurant for just a sec. When it comes to food, uh, drivers will say they want healthy choices on the menu. They want good healthy food, and in the next sentence, they'll say, "But I don't want to pay, you know, eighteen bucks for an entree." So, how does a truck stop restaurant manage uh, that triangle of fast? cheap and healthy food choices can you do all three or do you does the driver get one or the other how does that work hey i agree i mean i'm no different than anybody else i mean uh, I'd, I'd like definitely appreciate a a you know fairly priced product that's you know healthy and and good quality so uh, i think you have to ask yourself what kind of truck stop operation are you um you know putting forth here i mean if if you look at it from the chains and, uh, you know, from a national perspective, I mean, I think all the chains have gotten much better at their food over the last several years. And, uh, you know, even hiring, uh, you know, chefs to, you know, manage their menu and, and uh, come up with their product offerings. And, and, you know, fresh is the key word that you're hearing all the time. Uh, so if you're a truck stop operator and you're, you're a smaller operation, well, then you have to ask yourself, you know, what are the variables that, you know, are in front of me here? Uh, if I'm wanting to, you know, put forth a, you know, healthy, healthy menu at a fair price, um, you know, that first and obvious uh, variable is, you know, do I have the, the talent to actually do that? So, you know, running a kitchen uh you know and there's your second variable well what kind of kitchen do i have you know how much room uh, is available to me uh do i have a you know standard cook line and, and also a prep line uh you know how how much uh equipment do i have so uh you know if you want to you want to bake pies well all of a sudden you're going to have to have some mixers and you're going to have to have somebody that's got some talent with with uh you know pastry side of the operation and, and that is something that can be difficult uh, so uh, then there's the inventory piece so how much you know product can you realistically purchase and hold you know in the back of the operation so that you can bring these special menu items you know forward so um, you know there's a lot to it uh, so I think when when you hear the driver's request for for fast and inexpensive and healthy food, um, I think you're going to see that, you know, the, any truck stop operation is going to try to come up with maybe four or five items that they routinely offer that go over pretty well. And uh, uh, then to get the price down, they're going to need to, you know, really have uh, some strategy sessions with their uh, suppliers and their vendors. So you need to sit down with your vendor and, and go through your menu with them. And, and uh, you're going to find out that, uh, you know, the suppliers have got some wonderful uh, software tools to help you put together your menu. And uh, once you start using it and tracking your sales and your purchases, then they're going to be able to come in with a little bit more creativity based on history and say, you know, this this is really something that is obviously moving and, uh, 
you know, in order to get the price down or to avoid a, excuse me, avoid a price increase, you're going to have to take a look at some volume purchasing discounts or some deviated prices or something like that where, where they go out to their supplier and uh, say, yeah, this, this, you know, facility is absolutely 100% committed to offering, uh, say, for example, uh, uh, a breakfast special with, for whatever, unlimited hash browns. You just, you know, the customer wants hash browns, you bring them to them. No extra charge. Well, they'll, you know, they'll look at that and say, okay, well, you know, for that kind of volume, we're going to offer a special pricing on it. And then suddenly, you know, you've got your price control that you need and uh, you can help keep the price down. But, uh, I mean, it's a, you know, the food piece, I mean, my goodness gracious, it is just a, a, a daily constant challenge to make sure that you're, you're managing your food outlets and, and getting the work done, you know, to code and cleanliness and, you know, having the right people in the right place, to, you know, to, to get the work done. Uh, I mean, everything from the food side uh, is important. You know, you have to have a culture in the operation that says, this is what our food operation is, and we're going to do the best we can to, to be the best at it. And, uh, you know, so there, it's like anything else. There's a lot of pride with food workers. They don't get near the credit that they deserve for what they're doing. And... Uh, all you got to do is uh, make sure you listen to your suppliers and listen to your staff because, uh, you know, your, your supplier might have some great ideas, but your staff might be able to make them a little bit better or they may come back and say, well, there's no way we can do that right now. We, we're just not ready for it. So um, it's, it's a daily commitment, you know, okay. uh, and and the only way you're going to stay on top of it is to to really make sure everybody's on the same page and that you're trying to get the best product out there. Well, what would you say are your top sellers for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Oh, I would say burritos definitely uh, in the morning are, are going, you know, and depending on the type of restaurant again. I mean, it, it's a quick serve versus a sit-down restaurant. Okay. Uh you know, if it's a down restaurant, you know, uh, you're going to easily see your, you know, two eggs and hash browns and toast are going to be your breakfast sellers. Your lunch are going to be, you know, and dinners are going to have a lot of hamburgers in them. Uh, and then as the uh, afternoon, you know, dinner crowd, uh, lunch crowd comes in, you're going to you're going to have a lot more salads. So, you know, it's what time of day is it? You know, sure. is, is a big, big answer to your question. Yeah. Well, one of my favorites was always a chicken fried steak, but you couldn't have that five days a week. You'd be the size of a house. <laughs> that was always one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. You know, the older we get, the more difficult it is to put down a chicken fried steak. You're making me hungry <laughs> yeah. here. I'm serious. It's only yeah. 7.30 in the morning, your time too. So I know. All I had that. was a piece of toast and a cup of coffee. I mean, I know we're in different time zones, but you're probably ready for lunch. <laughs> Getting there. <laughs> Uh, Dom, we're going to take a short pause here. We've got to bring a sponsor in here for just a second. Uh, when we come back after the break, though, we're going to get into this parking question. We're talking that sounds to, good. We're talking to Don Baglin, that truck stop guy. He's a truck stop consultant uh, doing business up in Oregon. And we'll be back with Don right after this. Fleet Safety Experience is back. It's the virtual version of Bobbitt's popular Fleet Safety Conference. This year's program looks at managing high-risk drivers, the relationship between technology and safety, coping with a fleet fatality, and more. The NTSB's Rob Malloy delivers this year's keynote presentation on crash investigation and highway safety. Fleet Safety Experience is all about improving safety for light, medium, and heavy-duty vehicle fleets. Go to fleetsafetyconference.com to view the full agenda. I'm Jim Park. This is HDT Talks Trucking. We're back with that truck stop guy, Don Baglin. He's talking to us this morning from Scottsburg, Oregon. Don, the big question on everybody's minds today, drivers in particular, uh, is is the supply of parking. It is getting tight in, in a lot of places. Uh, other places in the country, there's there's lots of parking available. Uh, let's, let's go through the kind of parking topic and, and pull that apart just so Everybody understands what, you know, parking means to, to truck stop operators. So 
as a revenue center, uh, there are some places now charging for parking. Do you favor paid parking uh, as a truck stop operator? Oh my goodness, that's that's a that's a really tough question, Jim. So um, I think the answer is uh, somewhere between yes, no, and maybe. Um, <laughs> are you running for office? <laughs> Not not to dodge the question, but you know this this is a tough one. So if you you know if you break this down a little bit and take a look at it, and we talk through some of this, you'll you'll see that you know in some cases uh, the uh, paid parking may be the only way the owner can actually keep the doors open, and uh, certainly in other case, uh, asking for paid parking is is really you know a slap in the face and and just you know rude. Uh, I think you have to ask yourself, you know, where are you at and what's going on? So, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, no two truck stops are the same. But if you're if you're looking at this from a, you know, management perspective, uh, you know, the business owner, um, you know, it's the same thing as anything else. You need to make sure that, you know, everybody's on the same page and you know what you're your position is and what your plan is and and then try to keep it simple. So if you you take the uh the paid parking and you look at it from a site specific evaluation uh you know and then you say well, you know, what's the supply and what's the demand and what's the cost? Well, same thing. That's all going to be different depending on where you're at. So if your lot is full all the time, it may may or may not be necessary to charge for parking. So, uh, you know, it comes down to, you know, well, uh, are the drivers uh, buying fuel or are they shopping in the store? Uh, and that can be a difficult thing to, to ascertain. So you really need to, you know, be taking a look at what's going on with the drivers. So um, if you look at the parking lot as an opportunity, uh, it's pretty obvious that uh, the more trucks you get on your parking lot, then you've just increased your chances to sell them, you know, fuel, food, store items, mm-hmm. showers, etc. And, I mean, that's what you're there for. But if you look at it from the cost side, you know, I mean, take a look at what a parking lot costs. Oh, my goodness. You know, uh, just for site prep. Uh, you know, rock, concrete, and asphalt. I mean, I, I can't imagine that you can, you know, put up 50 spaces or let alone 100 spaces for, for less than a million bucks, you know. Uh, then there's, uh, you know, striping, signage, surveillance. You got your lights, uh, you know, then you got it. Find a way to clean the place. So you're going to need some cleaning supplies. You got to have some garbage cans out there. Otherwise, the place is going to turn into a dump. And and uh, so then you uh, you need to also consider the environmental hazards there. You know, uh, your staff has got to be trained on how to deal with sharpies and in needles and glass things like that. So uh, you know, you're just kind of getting started there. And the next thing you know. Uh, well, maybe you've got a truck stop parking lot that's really nicely landscaped. Uh, so now you've got, uh, you know, the cost associated with, uh, you know, plants, water, uh, and, and then the labor to maintain that area. So, and then depending, again, what time of year it is, it's a good idea to have the, the street cleaner guy come in with a vacuum truck to, you know, suck up all the little pebbles and toothpicks, you know, cigarette butts, you know, you just can't get it all with, with a, you know, dustpan or a leaf blower. And then in the summertime, you know, you're going to probably want a water truck to come in once in a while and, you know, rinse a stench from the, you know, surface of the parking lot. So, you know, that can be a a grisly, stinky operation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So now you got all these costs in here and you really haven't got to the the worst thing that could happen, which is, you know, uh, fuel tank punctures or you get a fuel spill that could potentially, you know, shut you down, uh, you know, temporarily or, you know, worse yet, you know, put you out of business. So then it comes down, well, do I have an oil water separator on my parking lot? And, you know, all of a sudden, if you got a fuel spill, that's, that's a great, great thing to have. And uh, so, you know, you got all these, uh, Contingency plans you need to put together, you know, you're going to have, uh, 
uh, training for a, uh, you know, a spill response team. And, you know, you got your little pop-up pools, your absorbent mats, and, and uh, our, you know, kitty litter that we like to use to, to clean up the fuel mess. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you start adding all this stuff up, if, if uh, you know, drivers coming into your parking lot and they're not buying food or fuel, you really seriously need to be taking a look at, you know, uh, charging for parking. So the other side of that, though, is if your parking lot is empty, it's just not appropriate. You know, there's, <laughs> no. there's you, you know, it's it's a demand issue. There's So what time of day is it? You know, some of these truck stops now, if, if it's one or two in the afternoon, hey, drivers have already got their space for the night. You know, that's how competitive it is to get a spot. So, um, you know, I think it, it's going to be like a lot of things in a truck stop, Jim. It's always going to come down to where's the truck stop located? Uh, what's the traffic patterns in the area? Uh, what's going on with the customer base? And, uh, you know, so if you uh, are going to charge for parking, you know, then you need to make it very clear because, you know, truck drivers can't read your mind and, you know, you shouldn't put your staff in a position where, where they're, you know, left to try to explain, well, we charge, you know, sometimes we don't charge. I'm sorry I didn't charge your friend. So you need to get your plan together and decide what you're going to do. And I think if you're up front, you know, the driver is going to respect that. So, you know, uh, I mean, it's like the, uh, Old economics classes, you know, there's no free lunch, you know, there's no free parking, you know, maybe free for the truck driver, but it's certainly not free to the truck stop operator. As you can tell from, from the things I outlined there, you know, just maintaining the, the lot is, is an expensive proposition. Well, yeah, it's got to be. I, I've spoken to truck stop operators over the years who've, you know, hung some numbers on their operations and, uh, it would vary, of course, with you know a million different considerations, but seventy-five, eighty thousand dollars a year just for uh, trash removal, um, snow removal in some places in the north, uh, and yet the trucking industry, I think, drivers uh, don't consider parking as part of the cost of doing business. I've always, always thought that was weird because if you know you're running a truck across the country, if you have a flat tire or your headlight burns out or a mud flap falls off. That's a, a something you're going to have to pay to replace and fix and keep moving. Yet, when you stop for the night, you're taking up 80 feet by 14 feet of space that's provided for you <clears throat> free. Uh, and I certainly understand if you're buying a tank of fuel, you're, you're bringing some revenue into the truck stop. That's great. But, I mean, you can't afford to maintain a parking lot like that just by selling cups of coffee and burritos. Well, I agree. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, if you take a look at it, you just brought up another uh, uh, issue in a parking lot. So, you know, if somebody's on the back lot doing repair work to their truck, okay, well, you know, what if you're running a, a repair facility? I mean, now all of a sudden you got guys out there that just show up and they try to do oil changes out in the parking lot. You're really, you know, pushing the, pushing the, uh, politeness level, as yeah. they say, with, with yeah. the truck stop operator. Yep. And, uh, you know, and then, uh, there's, uh, uh, examples of, uh, I'm not sure what the segment is in trucking, but, uh, they have shuttle drivers and, uh, you know, they'll come in and swarm the place and switch out drivers. And, you know, sometimes that's a 10 or 15 minute process. Well, sometimes it's a three or four hour process or longer and their trucks are there and some of their family cars are there. And the next thing you know, you get no, no place for your, you know, customer to park. You're paying customers, yeah. Right. So you, you have to, you really, I, I mean, I think, well, you know, when I, you know, went to work for the Jubitz family, the Jubitz truck stop up in Oregon, that was one of the very first things that, you know, was, was brought forth uh, to the employees. You know, you got to go walk the lot and figure out what's going on. I mean, you can learn more on a 10-minute stroll through the parking lot than you can by anything as far as your truck stop satisfaction. I mean, it's just a question of uh, going out there and seeing what's happening and, and really asking some, some questions and seeing if, you know, uh, you're really getting some business out of it. 
I mean, I hate I hate to see the cost passed on to the drivers. The driver is the last person who should be paying for the parking. Really, it's the it's the shipper, you know, moving their product across the country. I think that you know the cost of parking needs to be built into the rate somehow, uh, transparent or in a way that it can be seen, so that we know it's 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 there for a specific allocated for a specific purpose, kind of like a fuel surcharge. Uh, moving on though, uh, the other side of the parking problem, I, I guess, from your perspective is when the government steps in and says, we're going to build all this infrastructure and put up, uh, you know, full service travel plazas and, and that sort of thing around the country. Obviously, that's going to compete with the business you're doing. How do you feel about uh, the commercialization of rest areas? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, again, you know, I'm the truck stop guy. So, you know, I mean, at the very basic level, I, I'm not in favor of that at all. I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure you've heard of groups like uh, NATSO and Sigma, and they've been, uh, you know, on the right side of this issue for well over 50 years. Um, I'm sorry, I'm familiar with NATSO. Uh, what is Sigma? I'm not familiar with that. Uh, that's, I think, the uh, Society of Independent uh, Gasoline uh, Marketers is what okay. that is. Okay. Right. Yeah. Thanks for clearing so, that up. I mean, so, I mean, if you take a look at the, if you go back and look at the history on this, you can see why the, the ban. Uh, on commercialized uh, rest areas was put in place. And uh, then if you take a look at some of the exceptions to that, uh, I think you'll start to see why a government-selected supplier operating a commercialized rest area is really uh, not something to look forward to. Um, I mean, if you go back... uh, to the late 50s, early 60s, you know, when the Eisenhower administration is doing the infrastructure, they're building out the interstate freeway system. And um, anybody that was looking at that could, you know, foretell the future that this was going to have on on so many of these smaller cities. Uh, And, you know, now the freeway is bypassing the, the, the small towns. So, I mean, you're on the interstate freeway system, and would would you really drive five or ten, fifteen miles off the freeway to go buy fuel and eat lunch? I mean, you're not going to do that. So, um, you know, you look at this bid process to to operate one of these things, and you know, you're always going to have these pure capitalists out there that talk about you know competition is good you know anyone can compete for this you know uh, and that all sounds good but you know if you take a look at some of these uh, travelers oasis that are out there now these are these are the places primarily on the east coast uh, and you know these are these toll roads where they're not they're not actually i'm not sure they're all some of them may be toll roads, but, you know, they're effectively traveler's oasis where you can't get off the freeway for maybe 20 or 30 miles. And then all of a sudden you get off the freeway and there's there's some fuel option or some food options. And this is what it could potentially look like. So these traveler's oasis, so these, these folks that get these contracts to operate them, all right, first of all, you know, these contracts that they get are maybe 20 or 30 years long, maybe 40 years long. And it's not just a contract to operate, you know, the operation. It it typically includes the construction of the facility, the long-term maintenance, and and, uh, then, of course, some type of uh, hospitality agreement. So they've effectively uh, got a uh, a, a company's bidding for this or effectively multinational companies that are capable of doing all these things. Now, you can't come back and say a small operator that's close to the area has any chance to compete on that at all. Then when you take a look at these contracts they get, I mean, you know, first of all, I mean, these are huge companies and, um, you know, they're going to have engineers, designers, software programs. They're going to have their own construction personnel with a skilled tradesman. And, you know, they also got their in-house attorneys. So, I mean, and, and that's fine. They've all, you know, uh, work themselves just like anybody else to get to a solid position like that. And, and there's nothing wrong with these companies at all in terms of what they're doing. But when you get this thing done and operating, 
are these the same employees that are actually operating these facilities? No. Um, so you've got this, you know, let's say multinational company that comes in, puts this structure in place, starts to operate it, sees how difficult it is. Now you've got a couple subcontracts here and a subcontract there. Well, everybody wants their P. But by the time the, the operator is there trying to, to make a living, there's not a lot of room left. And uh, especially if there's some kind of uh, contractual relationship that restricts, you know, pricing or, or margins. So here you are. Um, you've, you've got uh, an operator that's trying to run the place and, and uh, skimp by. Well, how do you think they're going to save money? Well, they're going to cut back on the labor. Well, you know, then there's going to be maybe a clause in this this agreement that says that, you know, as part of the uh, agreement with the state or whoever's wanting you to operate it, that you have to have certain amount of uh, safety considerations and compliance considerations. And now you're cutting your labor down to, you know, try to make the, the place pencil. So, I mean, you just have to ask yourself about you know, what the customer experience is, is like when you go into one of those facilities. These are not exactly, you know, uh, a place to take your wife out on your anniversary. I can tell you that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> a little note there. No, I did not make that mistake. So, uh, but <laughs> smart guy. <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, there's, they were there before the ban on commercialized uh, rest areas went into place. That's true. And so they, they have every right to be there, and that's fine. You know, out here on the West Coast where, you know, I grew up, you know, we just don't have them. But, uh, you know, to say that, uh, you know, the Congress needs to lift the ban on commercialized uh, rest areas and, and, and make that a, a opportunity for people to compete and bid, I just don't see that. I, I just really don't. You know, from the trucking industry's perspective, we've got a, a dilemma here. The drivers need places to park. They need sleep. They need safe refuge. They need personal safety. They need washrooms. They need, you know, shower, a decent meal. If the truck stop industry isn't building truck stops where the trucking industry needs them to be, uh, what's trucking supposed to do? Who Who's going to provide that uh, that safe haven for trucks when they need to stop because the ELDs run it? Well, I mean, that's the, you know, million dollar question if that's the cost of a parking facility, which, <laughs> yeah. you know, in my mind, it's going to be, you know, maybe maybe double or triple that. I mean, again, depending on, on how big it is. But, uh, you know, there's uh, always, uh, you know, uh, new locations being added to the chain operations. And, you know, they have to sometimes fight tooth and nail just to get those approved and permitted so that they can, you know, bring additional place to stop and uh, provide parking. So, I mean, if I'm an independent truck stop operator and I'm not being reimbursed for parking, I mean, I'm seriously asking myself, you know, can I even afford to do this? One thing that you've definitely nailed for sure is that in certain areas, there's a parking shortage and it creates safety considerations. Mm -hmm. So, you've really got to plan ahead to try to make sure you can get to where you, you need to go. And using some of these apps and paying for uh, advanced registration, well, if that's what it's going to take to be safe, I'd rather be safe than sorry. I agree. And a lot of drivers are doing that now. I've, I've heard from drivers who, uh, you know, will give up an hour of driving time in a day on their logs in order to get into a truck, uh, into a spot where they know they can park and, uh, and bed down for the night uh, early give up an hour of driving because they know if they go any further, they're not going to get a place to park. So, uh, you know, those who plan ahead are, are going to be successful in finding parking, but I guess the ones who uh, just kind of take their chances with it, they're, they might wind up parking next to a dumpster in a vacant lot somewhere. Yeah. I, I just, uh, you know, again, uh, obviously, I mean, I, I'm the truck stop guy. I mean, I have talked to so many truck drivers over the years and parking is always always a challenge and and um you know as a truck stop operator try not to make it a hassle too i mean it's it's difficult enough to get these guys in there and and uh, everybody's got a little different skill level and, you know <laughs> that's being <but> kind <laughs> uh i mean and, and uh 
you know, so just the the stress. I mean, you know, these parking lots are they're noisy. Uh, they they can be uh, stinky. Obviously, they're it's a big challenge. I mean, so anything that you can do to you know make sure that you're at least being upfront with the truck drivers on what your program is. That's what you got to do. You don't want to surprise somebody at the last minute. You know, that's that's the worst thing you can do. Okay, so before we wrap up here, uh, it's been a great conversation. I want to keep this going for a lot longer, but we're getting a bit short on time. Uh, take a look forward. Um, we see a lot of uh, alternative fuels coming our way. You you talked earlier about you know the revenue stream you get from selling uh, hundreds of thousands of gallons of diesel fuel. Uh, if diesel fuel goes away, uh, how are you folks going to make your money selling energy? Well, there you go. I mean, uh, I mean, this is one that I wrestle with because, you know, there's there's another one of those expressions in life that you know you got to focus on today. You got to live for today. So if you start thinking too far down the road, it's overwhelming. So you know, if you look at what a truck stop operator has to do in terms of uh, their infrastructure costs associated with their their current fuel offering. And then you look at the potential infrastructure costs for alternative fuels. Uh, I mean, pretty soon you have to, again, you know, I think it's from a perspective of, you know, are you a chain operation or are you an independent, a small chain? Where are you located? Pretty soon you have to take a look at it and say, well, how many fuel offerings am I able to realistically provide? and uh, still afford to operate. So, I mean, if you take a look at the uh, petroleum side, I mean, you're talking a very significant uh, capital investment to, you know, get a truck stop oper operational, you know. So you got to, you know, take your uh, 30000 35000 for an underground tank, probably more than that. Uh, so if you got uh, diesel, now you got uh, your gasoline, you got your... Uh, regular then you got your premium and and so you can blend your your mid-grade so maybe you only need two tanks for your gasoline and then you know if you're in an agricultural area with farmers or contractors coming in that want to fill their tank with off-road diesel well now you need a tank for that so just just on the tank cost you know all of a sudden you're up to five or six tanks you know maybe more and uh you know that doesn't include the the permitting and the, the underground piping or the installation. So uh, same thing with the dispensers. You know, now you need a, you know, different style dispenser for gasoline and diesel and uh, different nozzles. One more thing for the staff to, to learn that you, you can't put a, you know, a, a red nozzle on a, on a diesel dispenser you know without uh, maybe having the wrong size of throat on it or something like that so then you got another uh, 30 to thirty-five thousand, at least not more for your dispensers um and you still you, you still haven't even brought it together with your uh, cash registers and your your operating systems you need so you're you know just, just if you just put together a fuel operation without a building no showers, no sea store. I mean, you're probably somewhere between four and five million, and that's if you got some good buying power. So then, what do they do? They come along. Oh, you got to have DEF. All right. So who who paid for that in the truck stop? So well, the truck stop operators they had to go out and bring that in. Oh well, you know we can get you these new dispensers now that have the diesel nozzle and the DEF nozzle. So now you might as well replace all your dispensers. It just keeps coming and coming at you. So then, you know, you got the electric side of it. Well, hopefully, I would think that the uh, the uh, cost of bringing in charge stations would be substantially less than, uh, you know, trying to set yourself up to offer, you know, fuel tanks and dispensers. So, Well, some of those uh, DC fast chargers are, you know, quarter of a million dollars or more per charger. And that's only for a relatively small one for like a car. I don't know how, how big a machine you'd need to uh, charge up a, an electric Class 8 truck, but they're not well, going to come cheap. It, 
Yeah, right. So then, well, you know, now you got to ask yourself, what kind of uh, connector port is on that DC fast charger? Well, that's not going to work on a Tesla. You know, Tesla's famous for having their own charge stations. So, well, pretty soon, you know, this whole question of um, what what type of charge station do you offer and what vehicles will it work on? And you can't, you know, what are you going to end up with having a, a charge station for every different type of, of vehicle that's out there? And then, you know, at least with the uh, fuel, uh, when you're buying fuel, you, you know, you got a cost of goods sold. You got to go out and purchase an inventory before you can sell it. Uh, at least when you're buying fuel, uh, there's enough information out there, like with Opus, the oil price information services, and and other folks that are quoting the prices. At least you have an idea what your your costs are. Well, if you're trying to you know figure out what your cost of electricity is, that's going to vary potentially by city, county, or state. Uh, you know, and uh, probably even uh, time of day a, when you get into the uh, you know the premiums peak, for daytime absolutely. peak charging peak and all load. that. Yeah. Yep. Right. So, um, I've been all the the folks I've worked over the last several years. This this is the message that I'm taking to them: How long you want to be in the truck stop business, and what is your transition plan? Do you have a family uh, that wants to continue operating these? Because, um. It's going to come where there's going to be a significant amount of erosion or, you know, in some areas it'd be illegal to have an internal combustion engine, you know. So um, you better get good at all the other things you, you need to be good at because the days of, you know, having a, a nice fuel margin on petroleum are probably going to, you know, be limited and you're not going to make in my opinion, I, I don't see how you can make nearly anywhere close to selling electricity that you can selling fuel. I, I just don't know how it's going to happen. Well, you know, talking, going back to where you were a minute ago with the alternative fuels and what's coming down the road, you can see in, in trucking, we still haven't really settled on whether or not we're going to have electric trucks or hydrogen powered trucks. I mean, they're going to be electric one way or the other, but the source of energy could be different. So that would mean probably long haul trucks are going to be fueled with, uh, with hydrogen, which would, you know, be incumbent on the truck stops to put in some hydrogen infrastructure to fuel them. Electric trucks, they're probably going to be local in nature, 200 mile range. So if you've got urban centers with truck stop facilities, they may have chargers. Uh, and then at some point, probably not in our lifetime, but diesel will go away. Uh, but not for a long time yet, they say. Uh, but on the horizon are driverless trucks. I mean, I mean, you know, they're running now between Phoenix and Dallas and places like that where the weather is good and the traffic's predictable. Uh, but there could come a time when your uh, your restaurant market dries up and, you know, selling stuff uh, in convenience stores is, is no longer going to be the volume that you once did because the trucks are running around with nobody in them. Well, this reminds me of the discussion of the uh, invisible conveyor belt, you know, and uh, it's the same thing in a truck stop, you know, uh, you get in there and you realize all these different products are coming at you and you're not quite sure just exactly how they got there. And then, you know, they, they take a temporary stop on your back shelf until it ends up out on the front store and somebody buys it and then it starts a new journey in use by somebody. So, I mean, I, I see the, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, uh, when I uh, uh, look uh, 20 or 30 years down the road, which probably be near the end of my lifetime, and I ask myself, you know, how is a truck stop operator going to make it? Um, you know, it, it's overwhelming. It really is. Uh, because, you know, if there's nobody that, that needs food, you know, uh, then uh, what are you left with? You know, an access fee or a temporary you know, parking fee. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's, uh, going to be interesting to see it all unfold. But, uh, I, I think the, the truck stop operator that's, uh, operating a facility today. Yeah. They need to be looking down the road, but they really need to focus, you know, one week at a time, one quarter at a time, not get too far ahead of them because if they're not good at what they're doing right now, 
they better get real good at it real fast because it's just going to get more and more difficult for them to you know survive as the technology continues to to develop so but there's always going to be room for a truck stop somewhere you know that i mean you got to have them. Well, yeah, because not all of the trucks are going to be driverless. They're still going to be uh, flatbed loads and various special commodities that are still going around. There may be fewer of them, right. but they're still going to be there. You might find out your facility is perfect for some kind of uh, cold storage or some kind of small warehousing. Uh, potentially, uh, you could uh, see where freight is transferred between, you know, autonomous vehicles that pull in and, and uh, you know, the the product on this truck is going to, uh, you know, these, these four or five, uh, items are going to be removed and placed in temporary storage until this other autonomous vehicle comes in and then they're going to be loaded on that truck, which is going to maybe be a smaller truck. Like you said, maybe with a driver because he's going to go into an urban area and deliver to the end user. So, I mean, all that stuff, that, uh, logistics piece of it. Wow. <laughs> Uh, makes me glad I'm in the truck stop business because uh, I couldn't wrap my, my mind around that stuff all day long. We've been talking with Don Baglin. He calls himself that truck stop guy. He operates Don Baglin Consulting Services out of Scottsburg, Oregon. Uh, Don, thanks so much for spending an hour with us today. It was a great conversation, a real eye-opener for me, having been a consumer all these years, not really not knowing too much about the business side of truck stop. So thanks for sharing that with us. My pleasure, Jim. Anytime. If you're a fleet safety and risk management professional, be sure to add Bobbitt's fleet safety experience to your fall calendar. This virtual event features educational sessions and expert insights to help solve your fleet safety challenges. Fleet safety experience takes place virtually September 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. Go to fleetsafetyconference.com to learn more. If there's something you'd like us to cover on HDT Talks Trucking, drop me an email at jpark at truckinginfo.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please spread the word with your friends and on social media. And if you wouldn't mind, take a moment and rate us on iTunes and leave a review. We love doing this show and your feedback helps us make every show that much better. HTT Talks Trucking is produced by Deb Lockridge, recording and audio production by me, Jim Park. Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine is published by Bobbitt Business Media. As always, thank you so much for joining us today. 